one o'clock this morning and you were still wired. Yeah, yeah it's going to be fun preaching to you a lot. I, uh, I actually thought, I thought to myself, shall I just stay awake the whole way and just go preach and then fall asleep afterwards? Anyway, I, I saw a great one-liner. It said that um, Oxen Chair should be given no tax for the rest of his life after, after the last night. I actually think South Africa might go into depression after the World Cup because... Uh, I don't know about you, but I feel like I have a hangover. It's just adrenal fatigue after, after that. How oh, I wish I'd only watched three minutes in the beginning and three minutes at the end. Anyway. Oh, you, Di's got another one. I think she wants me to preach now. Okay. Enough rugby? I don't know if you enjoyed Shavian preaching last week, but I, I love having that guy on our team. Um, he, he spoke about one key element. Uh, he said that during Daniel's life, we're in a series of Daniel, if you're visiting with us. During Daniel's life, he based most of his life on a letter from Jeremiah. So if you want to really get the most out of the book of Daniel, you should read the book of Jeremiah as well. It's, it's, this is a trick how preachers get you to read a lot of Bible. But uh, the two work hand in hand. What you may not know about Babylon is that Babylon comes from the city of Babel. You probably know that. It was where God confused languages because men were trying to make a city to glorify themselves. But Babel had a god. In the early days, this god's name was Marduk. And you would have, if you read your Bible, you would have heard stories about how they sacrificed children to Marduk. Marduk then, his name changed to Bel. And uh, Bel was, was like a war god. And, um, and so you see in, in the Babylonian story, war everywhere. In fact, Babylonians, because you kind of come, become what you worship, they took on this war god, and the cruelty in Babylon was, was outstanding, in fact. Uh, they would get criminals. So if you committed a crime, they were known for getting the criminals, cutting off their lips, noses, and feet. So just think about that. No antiseptic, nothing. You, you literally are going to rot. That's what's going to happen. This was Babylon. When they conquered an army, they would take the army, and uh, I'm sorry if you're squeamish, they would take the general of the army and the general of the Babylonian army would slice him from top to bottom, reach in, grab his heart and pull it out and say, this is what we do to our enemies. They were just known for this kind of thing. Add to that all the sexual promiscuity and the corruption and the mess that was Babylon. This is where Daniel sent. Like, yokes think Pofada is bad. Like, just think this place. And he gets this letter. I mean, you're so pumped. Prophet, send me a letter. Bring judgment. And this is what the letter says. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those. It's coming. To all those. I don't know. We're just going to read from here. I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. This is the line you don't like. Marry and have sons and daughters, which is, you're going to be here for a long time. Then it says, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. 
Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. When you get a letter like that, it's just like, ah, God, really? Now, just don't put your hands up. How many of you have felt in the last few years like Durban is like Babylon? You just, you wake up and you just see the next thing and then the next thing and then the next thing and it just feels like anywhere, Lord, but here. This message that I'm going to preach today is to help you get your mind around how to live in Babylon because Daniel gives us insights that literally they'll set you free if you, if you begin to understand them. You know, a few weeks ago, I was, I was driving up Argyle Road to, to our church, and I had like a Daniel moment. Uh, as I was driving up, there were, if you've been that side, I know you guys avoid it, but if you've been to like Mr. Price home, there are a whole bunch of kids begging there, and there are a bunch of moms who sit on the grass next to them. And I drove past, and I had rage, because those kids aren't those moms' kids. They pimped out. And over the moms is a a male who's pimping out the whole system. And so basically what's happening is we are, we are destroying the futures of generations right there at that robot. And if it catches on in Durban, it'll just spread. And so I'm looking at this and I just start to get angry, like even angrier than I was last night. It just, I get angrier and angrier and angrier. And I decide I'm gonna do something about this. I'm gonna attack this. In fact, I wanna hurt this problem. And so I had a WWDD moment. What would Daniel do? And so I realized Daniel would pray, then Daniel would plan, then Daniel would execute. That's just who he was. He did everything excellently. So I prayed, and I really prayed. And then I I put a plan together. So Weir Durban has contacts with 240 NGOs. So I said to Linda, I just want you to set me up with meeting after meeting, because it's not like you can just kick people off and not make a plan. So I want a sustainable plan. Give me shareholders. I want, to meet with, I want to meet with the rehab center down the road. I want to meet with the feeding schemes. I want to meet with the orphanages. I, want, I just set me up with meetings. So she set me up meeting after meeting, and I was amped. Like, I'm going to take this on, and I'm going to raise awareness, and we're going to start dealing with these problems. So this is my mindset. By the time we get to Thursday, probably because I'd prayed, the problem was solved. They'd arrested everybody, and everything was done. But... But it has put something in my heart that has woken up what God puts into us. Because the reason this story and the reason this Daniel series is so good is because I got called into ministry twice. The first time I got called into ministry was to get into ministry, and I told God, uh, don't do this. If, If God calls you into ministry, don't do what I did. I said, God, you know what? You can have a year of my life. I'll give you a year. Take a year off civil engineering. It'd be good for me. I'll come give you a year. Yeah, 20-something years. There was only one person laughing in that situation. Then, five or six years into ministry, I was looking at the impact of the church. We were, I was part of a big church. We were leading people to Christ regularly. And I was looking at the impact. And because I was 20-something, and you know everything when you're 20-something, I looked and I just went, the church is useless, utterly impotent doing nothing. People are getting saved and they're doing nothing. I went out. 
And so I started experimenting with skills development programs. I was looking anywhere because I wanted my life to count. I wanted to make a difference. And so I asked for a sabbatical so that I could find out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And I went on the sabbatical, and I was in a place called Lima in Peru. And I was sitting, eating a piece of chocolate cake, and a guy came and joined me with his piece of chocolate cake, delicious cake, by the way. And, uh, and so I said to him, what do you do? And he says, I work for Interpol. Now, if an oak tells you he works for Interpol, you, for whatever reason, feel like James Bond. It just, that's what happens. So I said, what do you do? And he said, I work a, uh, to try and reduce the sex trade. And then he started explaining the sex trade to me. And by the time he'd finished explaining it to me, I was so angry, I, I, w- I went for a walk, and I just said, God, this is why I need to get out of ministry and fight this fight. I can shoot straight. I can lead people. Just let me go kill people. I'm your man. And I felt like God said to me so clearly, he said, you build my church and I will raise up people to fight these fights. You build my church and I'll raise up people. The reason I'm in ministry today and the reason this message means so much is because I feel like my job is to build his church and he will raise you up to fight the fights. But you are in a fight to fight the fights. And this principle from Daniel can literally give you the fighting power. Now, it's an incredibly hard principle to give to people who've only slept for five hours. But if you'll stay with me and give me a bit of encouragement, we'll, we'll get through this together. So I'm going to read from Daniel 1.17 to give you some insights into what this dude had. Good drink, Tom. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Just set up. These kids have been brought into Babylon. They're getting indoctrinated. They, they are going through tests. And remember, they get offered the king's food, and they go, naught, we'll do the vegan thing. And they come out with six packs, and the guys go, man, this is good. They, they basically are in promotion. Now, here's what you've got to know. We serve a God who is looking to promote faithfulness and excellence. You serve a God whose mindset is, who can I catch doing something right so that I can promote? He, he, the Bible says he is a rewarder by nature. So he is looking for someone to reward. These dudes have just passed. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into the service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better, that's excellence, than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Ten times better. They had what the Bible calls a spirit of excellence. Excellence is the quality of being outstanding or preeminent. It's like pre is before and eminent is better than. So before and better than, above better than. So the king, what's interesting about this, I read this and I thought to myself, the dudes get taken from Israel, they're brought into Babylon. When they, in the process, they They moved a place and they don't resist. Then they are taught a new way. They're actually trained up in occult, in witchcraft. That's basically what was happening to him. And he doesn't resist. 
He, he is embedded in a culture he hates, and he doesn't resist. And then food, he resists. I mean, like, this is good child. And I started to ask myself, why does he resist? What's up with that? Why does he resist the food? I started thinking about it, and I realized the occult teaching will tire him. The getting a new name, a new culture, it'll chafe him. But the food will comfort him. You want to know the thing that excellence always chooses? It always chooses worship over comfort. It always chooses putting God first over Netflix. And what was going on in this moment is that Daniel was giving us an insight into what excellence actually is. Excellence is this. It is living your life for the glory of God, and we call that worship. Daniel wakes up in the morning and he goes, okay, God, how can I work for your glory? How can I live in everything I do for your glory? How can everything I do, though I'm in Babylon and these oaks are corrupt and negligent, how can I do everything excellently? Now, let me tell you why this will set you free. How many of you had a lot to say to the ref last night, like me? (laughs) Isn't it amazing how much we commentate on? How the ref's handling stuff, Russia, Ukraine, Israel, Hamas, like, we just, we, ANC, we have a lot to say about them. We, we have a lot to say about a lot of stuff that we can't control. Excellence will protect you and excellence will free you. Because what you can't control, excellent people pray about. They don't commentate on. They focus on what they can control and do that to the glory of God. Now, I lead in Florida Road, which is amazing because it's very multicultural. But on the one side, I have all the people who are shouting for Israel and full Israel supporters. And I'd probably put myself in that camp because I think Hamas is demonically inspired and in their charter is to wipe out Israel. But then on the other hand, I have all the people who get triggered by the apartheid kind of system of Palestine. And so... I'm, I'm trying to lead the church through this, and a lot of the time as a church leader, you're getting pounded by this group of people, and you're getting pounded by this group of people, and I find myself like getting hooked. I'm getting emotional about this because I'm getting emotion dumped on me, and I just felt like God said to me, turn this into worship. What does worship do? Worship just goes, what can I, what can I bring to the glory of God? How can I sing to you, and what can I do excellently for you? Well, I can't do much other than pray excellently and educate a little bit excellently. That's all I can do. And in that moment, I'm free. How many South Africans are giving their life away to stuff they can't control? Excellence goes, this is the circle I can control, and I'm going to do it for the glory of God. And that's the circle I can't control, and I'm going to pray about that. And it frees Let me give you a few more things. I I actually did the what, how, why, when, where thing. Daniel 6 verse 1, it says this. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps. It's a very cool name. I don't know what it means, but it's cool. To rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. 
Now, Daniel so distinguished himself amongst the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities. That word means spirit of excellence. He had a spirit of excellence on him. Then it says that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, all the other dudes got jealous, and they tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they weren't able to do so. They could find, now listen to this, no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Imagine you went to work tomorrow. You're about to get a promotion, and everybody around you goes, we can't find anything that is corrupt in this person, and there's nothing negligent. We better find something to do with his faith. I mean, imagine that's your reputation. That is, a, that is an incredible reputation. But there's some cool stuff in here. They search for corruption and negligence. You've got to ask, why did they search for that? I'll tell you why. Because Babylon was corrupt and negligent. It was kind of like the ANC. It was kind of like the country we live in. Corrupt, negligent. Now let me tell you about those two things. Corruption makes you mull. Because you know that the money that's taken is killing a generation. They stole the dam, someone doesn't get water next year. Next 20 years. They, they take money for that thing, schooling doesn't happen. So it makes you mad. Negligence makes you leave. It's the grass that's growing this high in the middle of the road that makes you leave. It's the, it's the fact that the monkeys keep getting into my, my bin that makes me leave. It's the stuff on the verges. It's the home affairs queue that just goes on and on. And on. It's all of this stuff that makes us want to leave. You know where excellence, excellence is called? To where it's corrupt and negligent. You know what God wants to give you to deal with corruption and negligence? Is a spirit of excellence. And your little circle that actually can't change that? That's his tool. I will make you excellent in a corrupt, negligent society. And you know how hard it is when everybody's being Durban sloppy and arriving at nine, but you're there at 7.30. You, you know what it's like, how hard it is, when everybody's like, oh, just take a little bit of that and take a little bit of that, but I'm going sti to stick along. You know how hard it is. And Daniel is excellent. Now, what I have realized about Christians is that we want excellence. We want to move to it. It's called Cape Town. We, we want to go to where everything is excellent. We don't want a spirit of excellence in us. We want an environment of excellence around us. It makes us feel comfortable. The problem is that we all, I mean, if you've been a Christian for a while, if you haven't, just watch. But if, if you've been a Christian for a while, there was a time where you went, Jesus, use me. Whatever you want, I'm your man. But please use me where it's excellent, where the suburb's very nice, where everything works. You know what God's doing? He's going, you want to be used? Cool. Let's put you where it looks like hell. Let's put some excellence there. You, you want your life to count? 
Great, let's put it in Pothada. Let's put it in Argar Road. Now, friends, I want you to know how much this message cost me. You see, some messages you preach because they're good principles. Some messages you had to live through. When, when COVID hit and Morningside got, blew up, and all the things I'd done, built UIPs, look at that, that thing's still rolling. That is amazing, Mad, you have skills, Bri. <clears throat> there we go. <laughs> when everything that I'd felt like I'd built got ripped apart and I had to, had to get through it, the way I got through it was this. I went, God, I can run or I can just get up and do what's in my control excellently. It took me about three years to get my head around that, but, but this thing about taking what God's given you and only what God's given you and taking full responsibility for it in prayer, in, in everything that you have, and going, God, whoever you put around me, I'm going to treat excellently and I'm going to live excellently for your glory, even if this environment sucks. The moment you get your head around that, you become so potent and so useful to God. This story is about a guy who goes, I'm going to put my heart in heaven, in Jerusalem, and I'm going to put my roots in hell, in Babylon. And that's what we're called to. Now, let me tell you how he does this. You know, his name is Daniel, which means God is my judge. The Babylonians call him Bel Tishazar. Bel is the God. Tishazar is to protect. Bel, this war God, will protect you. You've got to think about this a little bit, but the way you treat a judge is with fear and desire to please. I please a judge. The way you treat a protector is by relying on him. And here's the subtle message of this. The Babylonians are going, rely on our God and all that he gives you, all the food, all the friends, all the systems, all the wealth, rely on that. Change your identity. And Daniel goes, dude, you can call me whatever you want. But my whole worldview, my whole identity, the way I see everything in this world is to do with God being my judge. And your provision, that'll make me feel safe for the moment. Your, all the things that you can offer me, I'm going to bring my Belteshazzar under my Daniel. I'm going to bring all the things that make me feel safe and happy under God as my judge, and I'm going to let him be the rewarder of my life and not the economy. It is one of the most powerful things about this man's life. He won't let anything drive his thinking other than the God who rewards. Now, friends, I just want to say this to you. There are some of us who are living in a little bit of hell and God is literally going, please stick it out. Please pass this test because I have been looking to reward you your whole life. 
I'm just, this is the moment. Make a difference. Live excellently so I can reward. You know the story. The dudes get jealous. They go to the king. They say to him, hey, let's, let's, do a, let's build a cough. I mean, not a cough, a, an idol of you and make everybody worship it. And uh, when there's a gong, everybody will worship. And Daniel, it says, so King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. I, I read this for the first time and I read this. The dude's 80. He lives through four kings excellently. If I'd got to 80, lived through... This is his third king. If, if I was living through my third king at 80, I'd just be going, oh, please, just take me home. But, but that's not what's going on. As I started to think about this, was he just old and like over this? I realized, no. The reason he instantly got up and went and prayed is because if you don't instantly do the right thing, man, it gets hard. A spirit of excellence just instantly does the right thing. But excellence has a flip side. You'll know this. Are there any people here who you wake up in the morning and you just, it doesn't matter how little sleep you got last night, you will just tell yourself, today is the best day of your life. You just have that excellent attitude. You just, we are going to smoke today, make the best of it. We're just amazing. Our parents don't count. I know you haven't slept. But any, anybody who just has like that excellent attitude, any of you? Yeah, maybe two of you. Okay. You know why those people irritate the rest of us? Because they call out the victim in us. You know why people who do their jobs excellently frustrate people all around them? Because excellence will always expose. You won't even try. You just do your job right. It just exposes everybody around you. Excellence of character. You just honestly do the right thing consistently. Everybody around you will get exposed, and people will hate you. Excellence will promote you. Excellence will protect you. Excellence will free you. Excellence will make you loved in many spaces, and excellence will get you hated. Don't you want to be excellent? And Daniel is hated. And he gets chucked into the lion's den. And I want to submit to you that in the lion's den, I don't think... Daniel was particularly scared of going to the lion's den. I know this because I had a game farm. And when I was really young, we were, we were given three orphan lions. And they were about this big when we got them. And uh, we started with bottles, and then we, they went on to solids quite quickly. And, uh, and so we built this huge enclosure for them. It was like two kilometers of fence. And we chucked them in. And my job from about 10 years old was to feed them. And what would happen is you'd shoot a warthog or something, and you would chuck it over the fence. And before you chucked it over the fence, the male would come, and he would rub his head against the, the fence, and you'd give him a scratch, and he was so friendly. But you knew this would happen, but the same result every time. One of the females would come to you from where Nicole is sitting over there, and would sprint to you in about a millisecond and hit the fence so hard that you'd have to check your underpants. It was just that would happen every single time. Daniel wasn't worried about lions killing him. I think what Daniel was worried about was that he had lived his life for the glory of God and in one moment it was going to get taken. 
for so many of us, part of the reason that we're looking to go to the next place, do the next thing, is because we don't want the whole of our life, the whole of our wealth, the whole, whole of our impartation into this world, raising the kids, all of that. We don't want it to just be taken away by something out of our control. And here's what I want you to know. You serve a God who is a rewarder. He, he can take whatever your life is. And it might look like my farm was taken in Zim. It might look like our lives were absolutely over. He just takes it, and in his tapestry, he makes it into something that counts. You serve a God who wants to reward you. Now, let me end with this. The king gives the order. They brought Daniel, threw him into the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel. So this is the next day. The, the king's calling to Daniel. He's bummed. He's shouting, Daniel, servant of the living God. You know, it's amazing when a Babylonian king says that to you. And he says, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue from the lions? And Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt, hurt me. Now listen to his reasoning. Remember Daniel? His name means God is my judge. This is how he sees the world. Because I was found innocent in God's sight. When you have a mentality of life that literally your identity and your life is through the lens of, God, I want to live for eternal reward. It affects everything. The dude goes, this is why I wasn't killed. And then it says, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. Just a little jab. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in God. Now, most people read this story and they think it's about doing the right thing for God so that the mouths of the lions will be shut. That is not the story of Daniel. In fact, if you've been a Christian for long enough, you've been snicked by a lion or two. Here's the message of Daniel. The message of Daniel is really, Daniel is a picture of Jesus. Daniel, yeah, he lived well. He was excellent. But he wasn't perfect. He was a man. And though God shut the mouths of those lines, Jesus, who this is really about, who lived absolutely perfectly, went into the lion's den and got shredded, ripped apart. The sin of the world put onto him. He, though perfect and excellent in every way, was literally banished by God. God's vengeance and hatred of sin was poured onto Christ. So that three days later, he could be resurrected and come out, not missing the pain of the lions, but being torn apart by the lions of this world. You know what the story of Daniel is about? It's about what didn't happen to a man because it was going to happen to our God. So that you could have excellence not earned, but put onto you by the Spirit of the living God. This is all about the gospel. Now here's my ask. Be full of the Spirit and live excellently in this world because Durban needs it.
work excellently, serve excellently, find places that your flesh doesn't want to go to and be excellent in them. Make a difference excellently and trust that the living God, the rewarder, can take what looks like minuscule, not going to make a difference, why do I even give myself to this effort, and turn it into something eternal and powerful. Live excellently. May the Spirit of God come upon you. Amen. Didn't you want to come here and get shouted at after that rugby? I hope that works deep into you and the Spirit of God lives in you and fills you. God bless. Have a great Sunday.